New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Live from a secure concrete bunker somewhere in Ohio, New Thought Media Network presents Pastor Michael Mangus with Friday's Fireside Chat, spiritual conversation for today. Here he is from the secret radio room, surrounded by thousands of watts, Pastor Michael Mangus. Well, good evening to everyone across the nation and around the world. It's good to have you this evening here on the Friday evening fireside chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am yours truly, Pastor Michael Mangus, and we're so glad that Diego is at master control, flicking all the switches, putting in all the right wires and all that stuff. <laughs> so appreciate him doing that. If you could this evening, this is an interactive show, by the way. If you could this evening, please put your comments down below on Facebook. That would be greatly appreciated. The other way that you can contact me, I don't have access to it during the show, is my email address, which is pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com. Pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com. Always interested in finding out what you think of the show, your opinions for or against. Again, please feel free to go ahead and write me an email. That would be greatly appreciated. The purpose of the program here is very simple. It is to allow us to have conversations about contemporary issues from a spiritual perspective. The purpose here is to make us all think, and that is to have a new thought. All right, we begin off tonight's show. I've been hearing reports this week that some New Thought ministers and practitioners are unhappy about some of the stances taken by Centers for Spiritual Living and other New Thought denominations especially around the issue of racial equality. Okay. Let's stop the presses right there. We need to have a loving discussion about this rather than going ahead and sweeping it under the rug like we usually do in New Thought or like we have done in the past. Let's bring it up and talk about it. What about you're unhappy, are you unhappy about? So this week, I encountered something. A longtime practitioner gave me a call uh, for something that was not confidential, something on business. So after I was expressing some past issues that I was learning lessons through, 
The conversation then quickly went to, well, let's just talk about your well-being and the future. My friend is theoretically correct. But the lesson that's always missed here is that we need to examine the past, not talk about, not give it any more energy, but to examine the past so that we can, again, take the valuable learnings into the present and the future. If we don't do that, what the tendency is, and again, I've done a lot of counseling for a lot of people here. The tendency is to go ahead and to stuff it in, to repress it, rather than to bring it forth for healing. I know we don't like to admit this, but there have been hundreds of cases over the years. I'm not talking about the church at large or the Christian church at large. I'm talking within New Thought Centers alone. There have been hundreds, even thousands of both overt and covert racism. It's time. It's time. It's time to bring it up, to call it out, and to heal it. Let's not try to sweep this under the rug again. And for those of you who are unhappy, please get in touch with me. Let's have a loving dialogue about this. The reason we're bringing it up is because that there are people dying in the streets about it. We have 218,000 people dead because of COVID-19. You mean I'm not supposed to say anything about that? I call that ministerial malpractice, and I won't do that. However, I think that, again, I bring things up not to be controversial, but for us to have a loving discussion about all of this. I like the term that David Alexander used a few weeks ago on Eugene Holden's show. He said that we are a socially radical liberation theology. New thought is. Just look at our history. Emma Curtis Watkins, uh, Hopkins, Emma Curtis Hopkins, Wallace Waddles, just to name two. We are to be out there. We are to be the light of the world. We are the people that, again, can help demand change. And we can do it not only with our voice, but we can also do it with our consciousness. What about oneness, don't you understand? We talk about oneness all the time in our centers. What about oneness don't we understand? And as I have brought up in previous shows, how inclusive are we? Can we love those people in our centers with opposite views? And again, there's many of them. Can we bring them to the table and say, listen, we want to have a loving dialogue about all of this stuff. So it means that we include them. We love them. We bring them into 
the discussion. Not to change their mind, but to give them something to think about. Again, as I've said on many shows here, I've had to go through kind of an awakening, again, with my white skin. I didn't think I had any kind of privilege, but again, I had to read several books and say, yes, I do have privilege and notice it out in the marketplace also. So can we love everyone? Can we love our enemies as ourselves or our so-called enemies? So I'm calling all of the unhappy people. Let's have a dialogue about all of this. Let's really practice the oneness that we talk about each and every Sunday. Let's really understand why many of us, including yours truly, has gotten on the bandwagon with Centers for Spiritual Living and the other New Thought organizations. Again, I do not speak for CSL. I'm a proud member of it, but again, I echo what has been coming from home office. We need to let our light shine in all the dark places within us. Again, people are dying. Can we understand that? And again, for me as a spiritual leader, not to say anything is again malpractice. I won't do that. So let's all, can we enter into a dialogue of love? Can we enter into a dialogue of reconciliation? I invite those people to do that. Instead of gossiping and criticizing about CSL and the rest of the organizations, let's come to the table. Let's talk about these things. Let us have that common vision of a world that does work for everyone. Can we do that? I know we can. Or you wouldn't be a part of New Thought, would you? It's really good to have you here this evening. This is the Friday evening fireside chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. We are broadcasting from a secret bunker, secret radio room somewhere in Akron, Ohio. I can't tell you where, though. (laughs) Uh, I always have fun with that. Thank you to my friend Jay Silvers for his wonderful announcements. Jay is a good friend of mine from the Pittsburgh area that I met there. National voice talent, also national producer of some of the great gospel programming that you hear on Black Radio, what a great guy. Again, thank you, Jay Silvers. Really appreciate your love and support of this program. In the news this week, again, we're still talking about COVID-19 in some form or another. 
The Center of Disease Control Numbers as of noon today, total cases 7,958,254. Cases in the last seven days, 375,244. And the total number of deaths here, 216,917. The projection is 400,000 by the end of this year. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden had separate town halls this week because of the decision by the debate committee to go ahead and to hold it virtual. President Trump didn't want that, so they held separate town halls on separate networks. Good news is that President Trump has tested negative for for COVID-19. First Lady Melania Trump is feeling much better. She reported this week that her son, Barron, also tested positive, and he is also doing much better. From CNN, and I wanted to read a good part of this article because I think it has some really good information for us. It says that this was updated today at noon Eastern. It says daily coronavirus infection rates are climbing in the U.S. as the nation nears 8 million official COVID-19 cases. A sign in the country is in for a tough winter, experts say. The country one-week average of new daily cases have moved above 53,000. That's an increase of more than 55% in just over a month. 55%. This is from John Hopkins University. Dr. Peter Atez, who is a professor and dean of tropical medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine, Cause uh, calls the rising average an ominous sign. This is the time when we could be entering one of the worst periods of our epidemic and one of the worst periods in modern American public health, he said on Thursday. I am very worried about the nation, Dr. Atez said. Public health officials, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned in recent months that the country should try to lower its daily cases ahead of the fall and winter months to prepare for new challenges. And one of those challenges includes flu season, which could create what doctors call a twindemic with COVID-19 as well as temptations to hold more gatherings indoors as temperatures drop, including during the holidays. But the national case trend isn't the only thing concerning experts. I'm reading from an article from CNN from today. Seven states saw records for COVID-19 hospitalizations Thursday. That's Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Montana, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin, according to the COVID Tracking Project. 14 states have set records for their seven-day average of new cases on Thursday, according to John Hopkins. And the country's average test positivity rate over a week has moved above 5% in 
The COVID tracking project said the CDC's director previously suggested that communities' rates should be below 5% to comfortably have schools open. And test positivity is much worse in certain states. Sitting around 20% on Friday in Idaho, Iowa, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. Experts, including Dr. Fauci, have said that rising positivity rates predict surges in cases, hospitalization, and deaths. An updated forecast from the University of Washington Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation Projects, it projects that the U.S. could reach more than 389,000 total COVID deaths by February 1st. And again, like I just told you, more than 218,000 people have already lost their lives in the United States. New Mexico governor called her state's coronavirus situation the most serious emergency that New Mexico has ever faced on Thursday. The state's test positivity rate was 8.1%, she said. It averages of a new daily case, cases over a week of 457 as of Thursday, is more than 400% higher than at one point early September. And that comes just days after she issued new restrictions to help spread the curve of the virus, including a limit on mass gatherings and a 10% closing time for establishments serving alcohol. The virus is now winning, said Governor Michelle Grisham. We are in uncharted waters. In parts of the state, ICU beds are full, according to the New Mexico Health and Human Services Secretary, David Skrasky. This is a serious time for the state of New Mexico, he said, adding that the state's curve for the seven-day average was dwarfing previous curves. Now listen to this here. The reason I'm reading it out loud is because sometimes we don't want to read stuff like this. But listen to this. It says, masks alone, just wearing a mask could save over 70,000 lives. Don't tell me that you not wearing a mask doesn't make a difference because it does. It's putting your love in action when you wear a mask. The article continues. It says it doesn't have to be this way. Experts have repeatedly said that doubling down on simple safety measures, including wearing masks, social distancing, and hand washing, three things I have been saying since March, can help slow the transmission of the virus. Those three things, 70,000 lives. If we all take this seriously, and like I've said before, again, people have made this into a political issue. There is nothing political about this. 
This is about saving lives here. This is about keeping families together. Article goes on and says, universal mask wearing could save the lives of more than 70,000 Americans in the next three and a half months, according to the projections that they have given. And as cooler weather approaches, experts say there are ways that you can see some friends and family while still staying safe. And I'll probably go through some of these here in just a few moments. Lastly, to report from CNN says, global study finds remdesivir doesn't help. World Health Organization officials announced on Thursday that the antiviral drug remdesivir has little or no effect on mortality for patients hospitalized with COVID-19. The uh, agency says that this is conclusive evidence about the drug and the findings are very disappointing. So what are we going to do about this? We all can play a part in this by taking this seriously. By again, doing those three simple things of wearing a mask, not just over your mouth, but over your nose too. By hand washing and also social distancing. We need to take this thing seriously. Again, we are encouraged by our health officials and by the scientists here to take precaution. Being outdoors, and I've seen this in the past few weeks, being outdoors is not a fail-safe method. You can still get close to someone and infect them. So even outdoors, again, keep a safe distance. If you're in a crowd, again, it is recommended that whether indoors or outdoors, that you wear a mask. This is the most spiritual thing that we can do here. Even if other people aren't doing it, if we do it, if we do it, We are showing love to the world. If you're wondering what you have stumbled onto this evening, hi. (laughs) This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus, and we are broadcasting live here. On October the 16th is our record date, 2020. We are going over some things in the news right now concerning COVID-19. Governor Chris Christie this week revealed that he spent seven days in the ICU and admits that he was wrong in not wearing a mask. From the CNN article, it says former Governor New Jersey governor, New Jersey governor, Chris Christie revealed on Thursday that he spent seven days in an intensive care unit before recovering from COVID-19 and implored 
Americans to wear masks and to take the pandemic very seriously. The ramifications are wildly random and potentially deadly, Christie said in a statement. No one should be happy to get the virus, and no one should be so cavalier about being infected or infecting others. So here he is, Governor Chris Christie, being around the president, not wearing a mask. What happened? He almost lost his life. Going on with the news article, it says that Christie tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this month and checked himself into the Morristown Medical Center as a precautionary measure. Within 24 hours, he said, I went from feeling fine to being in the intensive care unit. Christie said Friday on ABC's Good Morning America. He said he was treated with the antiviral drug from Desivere and also a antibody combination therapy also from Eli Lilly. News of his positive diagnosis, which came a day after President Donald Trump announced that he and First Lady Melania Trump had both contracted the virus, followed his assistance to Trump in preparing for the first presidential debate in a series of sessions where no one wore a mask. Christie, who is overweight and asthmatic, has also attended a Supreme Court nomination ceremony for Judge Amy Coney Barrett on September the 26th, now believed to have been a super spreader event. Both indoors and outdoors participants at the September 26th event were observed without masks, including Barrett's seven children, and not practicing recommended social distancing measures. At least 12 attendees tested positive after attending. Reflecting on his own thought process before contracting the virus, Christie concluded on Thursday that he had believed that when I entered the White House grounds, I had entered a safe zone due to the testing that I and many others underwent that day. I was wrong, he said. I was wrong not to wear a mask at the Amy Coney Barrett announcement, and I was wrong not to wear a mask at my multiple debate prep sessions with the president and the rest of the team. I hope that my experience shows my fellow citizens that you should follow CDC guidelines in public no matter where you are and wear a mask to protect yourself and others. Christie said, it's never too late to start. It will take leadership that both challenges and trusts the American people, he said. After all, we are Americans, the world's greatest hope. 
Christie said that on ABC that the White House did not reach out to him to do contract tr- contact tracing, but that it was being done by his local county board of health in New Jersey. This is an equal opportunity dis-ease. Again, no one's immune from it. We've had several churches become super spreader events. Let's all take precautions. I know that we are all tired of this. We want it to end. As Fran was praying last week, Fran Daniels, my friend, she said, we have this COVID-19 go back to the native nothingness from where it came from. So we do that in consciousness. But the one thing that we do is we help other people by taking this seriously, by continue wearing a mask. Now, there are some things that you can do. Also from CNN this week, From Holly Yang, she said the fall COVID-19 surge is here, fueled by colder weather, reopening schools and pandemic fatigue. I get it. I don't like wearing a mask either. I don't like social distancing either. I can't tell you the last time I had a hug outside of my own social group. I just don't. But going on here, it says the flu season could make the coronavirus pandemic even worse. For the next several months, new COVID-19 infections, hospitalizations, and deaths are expected to keep rising as the temperatures keep dropping. But that does not mean that your fall and winter has to be miserable. Can we get that? It doesn't mean that. Here is how you can stay healthy and sane and actually enjoy the cold weather months. Number one, find your social distancing crew and stick with it. You're probably sick of hearing about face masks, social distancing, and hand washing. And you're probably sick and tired of hearing about that here. <laughs> I don't usually use the word sick and tired because, but, so I cancel, cancel that. But those are your strongest weapons against coronavirus. So how can you socialize by staying safe, by quarantining? Many Americans are ditching precautions and letting their guards down with friends and family members who don't live with them. Casual at-home get-togethers are fueling the recent COVID-19 spikes. So let's get it that it's not one of these big events that's fueling the current infection rate. It's us all letting our guards down and saying, okay, it's okay to go out. Again, we need to take care of ourselves and take this seriously still. From the article from CNN, it says, casual at-home get-togethers are fueling recent COVID-19 spikes. 
said Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So Dr. Peter Hatez, who I mentioned earlier, suggests limiting your physical contact this fall and winter to a small select group of family or friends and to avoid close contact with anyone outside that group. Have a few close family and friends who also agree to social distance from other people. Think about who you want to do your social distancing with as you head in to November, December, January, and then get ready to hunker down, says Hatez, who is the dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College. We need, from the article again from CNN, it says, we need to have a plan to take care of our mental health. We need a plan to take care of our mental health. Atez said this, he says, this terrible period is not going to go on forever. I've been saying that since March. The challenge is that we don't know. We know there's light at the end of the tunnel. We know it's there. We may not see it. But it is coming. Atez says this, he says, I do think we're going to be in a much better place by the middle of next year because vaccines will be available. But be realistic and recognize that this winter, November, December, January, and February could be the worst time in our epidemic and plan accordingly and be smart about it and then take steps to protect your mental health. Make sure that you know a mental health counselor, how to reach them if you need them. How about your minister? How about a practitioner? Know how to call on family members. It's okay to feel scared and to be upset and to be depressed. That is a normal reaction, but get ready for it. And like I have said for months, we can either let this time either bless us or burn us. From Native American tradition, we know that the wintertime is a time of activity, even though that, again, that the leaves are all off the trees and it seems dead. The winter times in our lives are times for preparation. We prepare for going back into the garden. in April, May, by ordering our seeds from the seed catalog. We do things to get ready for the time in which we can plant. So we can use this time also. Another point in this article from CNN, it says, know your risk of infection. My COVID risk dot app <laughs> MyCovidRisk.app lets you find your risk of getting infected based upon your location, your planned activity, the duration of that activity, and what percentage of people are wearing masks. 
The calculator created by the Brown Lifespan Center for Digital Health also gives suggestions on how to decrease your risk, says Dr. Megan Rainey, who is the center's director and also an emergency medicine physician. Now get this, and again, I talked about this earlier here. Socializing outside is safer, but not always safe. The article says cold weather means that people tend to socialize indoors where there's less opportunity for the viral particles to disperse. That increases the risk of coronavirus spread. Young, previously healthy adults are suffering now from long-term complications from COVID-19. Young people, older folks, again, some may get a mild infection like the flu, but some may end up down at the hospital. And again, we don't know which one of these are you (laughs) or me. We have no idea. So says Dr. Leanna Wynn, who is an emergency room physician and visiting professor at George Washington University. She says, so if you have gatherings, keep them outside if you can, perhaps with a fire pit, a warm coat, or a heat lamp. But just because you're outside doesn't mean that you can abandon all safety precautions. Listen to this. Outdoors is not perfect. If you're still sitting a foot away from other people without a mask, You can still spread it, especially if you're in that very infectious period, Rainey said. One reason why coronavirus is so contagious is because people who get sick from it are typically most contagious before they start showing symptoms. This means that people can easily spread the virus without knowing it. Just because someone is a close family member doesn't mean that they're safe either. Rainey said. Unfortunately, if that close family member has been out having a lot of contacts, they still could be sick and bring it home. That's what happened over Labor Day. That's what happened over Memorial Day. People got lax, especially younger people. Let's go out and party. Let's go out and have a good time. Instead of following the safety procedures again. This article is almost done. It says, if you visit family and friends, do it wisely. We know by now that much of the COVID-19 spread is actually driven not by formal settings with strangers, but by informal gatherings of family and friends. Dr. Wen said, some individuals may be letting their guard down with loved ones. If you must travel for the holidays, cut out risky behavior before your trips, such as dining at restaurants indoors or getting in close contact people with people who don't live with you. It's also a good idea to get tested before seeing loved ones so those who test positive can stay home. But don't get a false sense of security just because you have a negative test result, because what's going to happen is that, (laughs) God forbid, is that You become positive within the next few days. Finally, it says here, it says, celebrate the holidays safely. The CDC offers a long way of, to celebrate 
Halloween and Thanksgiving safely. Instead of Halloween parties or trick-or-treating, the CDC suggests carving pumpkins with your family and friends and with neighbors at a safe distance. You can also have virtual contests of costumes or a Halloween scavenger hunt where the children are given lists of Halloween-themed things to look for while they walk outdoors from house to house admiring the decorations at a distance. For Thanksgiving, you can celebrate by having a virtual dinner with family or friends from from afar and sharing your favorite Thanksgiving recipe. Dr. Randy admits this. He says, Thanksgiving is really a tough one. I'm going to be doing a Zoom Thanksgiving with my parents. You can also help those at high risk for COVID-19 or those who are feeling isolated by preparing traditional Thanksgiving gifts and Thanksgiving dishes and delivering them in a way that doesn't involve contact with other people. The reason I spent the time this evening on this is because we are still in the fire. We need to all take this seriously. Because I don't want anyone else to perish here. And that includes people I disagree with. I don't want anyone to to die. All right. Well, hi there. Good evening. This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Networks. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. Let's do some announcements here, and then we will go back into the news. Just wanted to remind you that yours truly is now parking himself at the world-famous and ever-popular Summit Center for Spiritual Living here in Akron, Ohio. For more information, you can go to summitcsl.org. That is summitcsl.org. There you can get meeting information for one of the best Sunday gatherings that I have ever experienced in all of New Thought. I've been around this for around 40 years now, and I'm telling you that the Sunday gathering that they have at Summit CSL is absolutely wonderful. You may go online at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific time. As I tell all my West Coast friends, go get your cup of coffee, your tea, your espresso, and come and join us. The monthly focus for October is on manifestation, and the speaker this Sunday will be the Summit CSL spiritual director, Diana Mangus. She's an absolutely wonderful speaker, and she'll have some wonderful things to say about manifestation. So that's this Sunday. So join us. The information to get on the Zoom call, it's all on summitcsl.org. 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific time. Please join us. It's a great time. And we have people from all over the country join us. So you're invited to be with us. Yours truly is still available for practitioner sessions and also guest speaking. Also, I am doing ceremonies all over the place, including very (laughs) pared-down wedding ceremonies. Not the 100, 150 that people have planned for, but more like the bride and groom. 
So I'm available for that. Please contact me at pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com, and I can give you more information on that. We have a lot of wonderful programs here on the New Thought Media Network. Again, the morning and evening prayer with Reverend Robert and other people, with his wife, uh, Laura, are absolutely wonderful. Reverend Robert's Wednesday night boost is something that we all could use. Get ready here, Diego. Real talk with Eugene Holden on Thursdays. There he is in a prayerful position. Brother Eugene Holden has some really wonderful things to say on Thursdays. And also on Fridays, another program that Diego produces, live from the UK, it is the very pretty and wonderful Lord Topper, practitioner extraordinaire, and also fellow ministerial student with the Cosmic Prayer, your weekly prayer show, Laura Topper. We just got the news today that starting November the 12th, we are going to have a new show with the Reverend Michelle Wadley from the Morristown CSL, and she calls her show the Joyzy, not Jersey, it's Joyzy Girl Wisdom. So that starts on November the 12th, a brand new show here on New Thought Media Network. We have concerts, we have classes, we have so much more. Go on our Facebook page, which is the New Thought Radio and Media Facebook page, New Thought Radio and Media Facebook page. If you are blessed by what we are doing here, please send us a contribution. We still not have formally started our fun fall raise, uh, fall fund drive yet. We will hear shortly. But could you please send us a donation? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50, 75, $100. Every dollar that we get goes to spreading this powerful message of new thought to not only our nation here in the United States, but around the world. So please go to paypal.me slash newthoughtradio, and please give, you can give a one-time gift, or you can give a, a monthly reoccurring gift. Please help us. We have a lot of expenses coming up here in the next month. We have a lot of equipment to buy. We also have our software package for our radio stream to get up. Again, all of that comes from your love and your help. If you could help us, please, again, paypal.me slash newthoughtradio. That would really, really, really help. In other news this week, An avalanche of early votes is transforming the 2020 election. 
I'll just read a part of the article. It says more than 17 million Americans have already cast their vote in the 2020 election, a record-shattering avalanche of early voting driven both by a Democratic enthusiasm and a pandemic that has transformed the way that the nation votes. The total represents 12%. 12% of all the votes cast in the 2016 presidential election, even as eight states are not yet representing or reporting their totals, and voters still have more than two weeks to cast their ballots. Americans' rush to vote is leading election experts to predict that a record 150 million votes may be cast and the turnout rates could be higher than any presidential election since 1908. How wonderful. Michael McDonald, who is a University of Florida political scientist, and this is his quote, it's crazy. (laughs) He has long tracked voting from his site called electproject.org. McDonald's analysis shows roughly 10 times as many people have voted compared to this point in 2016. McDonald said this. He says, we can be certain that this will be a high turnout election. Just vote. Don't let anyone tell you that your vote doesn't count because it does. Go out there and vote. Vote early. Do not let anyone intimidate you. I was very heartened when I voted this week. I finally got my absentee ballot, myself and my friend Pamela. We went down to the Summit County Board of Elections. We took our ballots right to the counter. They checked a few things and they said, thank you very much. And they gave us an I voted sticker, (laughs) which is in Pamela's car. Your vote counts. And again, that's as political as we get on the show. Go vote. This is a very important election. Your voice needs to be heard. So please just go and vote. Plenty of time to do that. If you need to check your registration, you may do that at the local Board of Elections or you may go online. Just go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. I wanted to talk a little bit more as we close this evening about something I mentioned last week but I really did not get a chance to go through it all. So hopefully in our remaining time, I can do this. I did a paper recently for Holmes Institute for a class. I was taking on Psy research. My instructor was the well-known parapsychologist, Dr. Jeffrey Mislove. 
I'm just going to read parts of this. The reason I'm reading through this is because that there is proof that prayer works, especially intercessory prayer. The problem that has been occurring here, especially in the past few years, is that the results, again, unfortunately, have been showing that the use of intercessory prayer has not helped in the healing of people who are going in for operations and or procedures. I'm just going to read quickly through this. It says the study of DMILS, or Direct Mental Interaction Living Systems, have been performed in parapsychology laboratories since 1970. Also known as distant intention, this form of experimentation investigates whether there is a relation between a directed intentional effort of a person to change a defined variable of a remote living system and the fluctuation of that variable. I know that's a bunch of scientific jargon. In such an experiment, the intention functions as the independent variable manipulated systematically, and the target variable of the living system is the dependent variable. So what they've done over the years is this. They've used all kinds of uh, different experimentations, including using electrodermal activity or EDA, And again, having a person in another room to see if they can affect their skin temperature or how the person is feeling. Remote staring. There's been many, many experiments in that where, again, people go ahead and they say, someone's staring at me. (laughs) And again, they have statistical proof that, again, that we can tell. Also, remote helping. Someone's put in another room, and the other person's given a task to do. So they do better at the task when they have someone with a remote intention that they do better. Now, there was a lot of studies done on Intentional healing and intercessory prayer in the 1990s and also the 2000s. Again, the later study by Dr. Herbert Benson, the guy who founded the relaxation response, had an exceptionally large sampling in the thousands. A $2.3 million budget provided to them by the Templeton Foundation. The overall results were mixed with earlier studies that had smaller samplings of less of 100, showing positive results with non-significant or negative findings in the latter. Benson's study was reported by the media as a big failure. I won't go through all the statistics here, but it says that some of the researchers on the STEP study team said that other factors may have skewed the results, including some of the prayer team being uncomfortable in praying for a specific intention that read for a successful surgery with a quick, healthy recovery and no outcome. Now, why would anybody be upset about that? Well, because again, in some people's mindset, that's telling God what to do. 
I'll go on here. Knowing that you were being prayed for may have helped add to the patient's stress instead of decreasing it. Some of the conclusions reached from the STEP program was that more research was needed before a definite statement was made on whether intercessory prayer assisted in the healing process. Now, that was 2006. There has not been much done in the form of intercessory prayer experimentation since then. There's been a few studies. But one of the studies that was not talked about was the one that was done the year after the STEP study. And this was a, it's called a meta-analysis. What researcher David Hodges did was he did a analysis of 17 major prayer studies that were performed over a 10-year period. 12 of them were found to have a trend towards improvement. So this is from the report. The individual assessment revealed that patients who received intercessory prayer demonstrated significant improvement compared to those who received standard treatment devoid of prayer in seven of the 17 studies. Furthermore, in an additional five studies, the trend favored the prayer group. This raises the possibility that an increase in power would significantly yield findings. And we only have a few more minutes, but the whole idea is this. What really, and again, this was my conclusion here, what really needs to be studied is not whether or not intercessory prayer works, because we know in New Thought, in the Science of Mind, in the Unity Movement, we know that prayer does work. But how does prayer work? Prayer works, that we have found, it's when it is in an intention form. From my paper, Dr. Ernest Holmes theorized that what made prayer effective was the prayer or the intention itself. By the individual's understanding of the concept of oneness, the prayer is not to a far-off God, but to a person entering into the universal flow or the law and then commanding or intending that the request be fulfilled. God is not only love or spirit, God is also impersonal law or substance that needs direction to create. And this is why, and again, I speculated this in my paper. It says, this is why some of the prayers in, in Benson's experiment felt uncomfortable, because they felt, how dare they tell God on what to do? But again, this intention-type prayer works. We don't have all the scientific proof yet to show that it does, but we know as true students that when we set our intention into the law, that that works. I just wanted to go through that because I think that that really is very helpful. If you'd like a copy of my paper, I think it's fascinating ring. I'd be more than happy to send it to you if you just go and just right down there, down there. Oh, right th there. Yeah. Pastor Michael Mangus at gmail.com. Pastor Michael Mangus at gmail.com. Okay. I've been remiss in the past couple of weeks, but we have time for a couple of the world-famous and ever-popular 
the jokes. What do dentists call their x-rays? What do dentists call their x-rays? Toothpicks. What did one ocean say to the other ocean? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> what does a house wear? What does a house wear? A dress. <laughs> what do you get from a pampered cow? Spoiled milk. And how does NASA organize a party? They plan it. <laughs> All right, we're out of time here. Thank you so very much for being with us this evening on the Friday evening fireside chat. If this message tonight has touched you, please share it on your Facebook page. We would love to be in contact with you. Uh, again, uh, join us this Sunday at Summit CSL. We would love to see you 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific. Uh, all the information to get on the uh, online service is all there at summitcsl.org. I think it's time to go here. It's nine o'clock here. So on behalf of all of us here at the New Thought Media Network, I would like to thank uh, Diego for producing this evening, for Jay Silvers for doing our announcing, and for all of you this evening for being a part of our wonderful program. Know this, that I'm praying with you, for you. We will all get through this. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We all need to stay safe and comfort one another because we will all make it. I guarantee you that. We will all get through this somehow or another. So for all of us, to all of you from Akron, Ohio, this is Pastor Michael Mangus wishing you a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us this evening for Friday's Fireside Chat with Pastor Michael Mangus. Join us again next week at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain for more spiritual conversations for today. For more information and replays of past shows, please visit the New Thought Radio and Media Network's Facebook page. Until next week, may God bless you richly and abundantly.